Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. Hi, and thanks for tuning in. I wanted to remind you of our Road to a 1,000 Subscribers giveaway that we have going on our YouTube channel. If you subscribe and have a public profile, you'll be entered to win a free RX Smart Gear original jump rope. You'll get to pick the pattern of the handles, the color and weight of the cable, and you'll be getting one of the best-selling, best-performing jump ropes out there. Every time we hit a new century mark with the number of subscribers to our channel, we'll randomly select a new winner. And our friend Dave Newman is going to throw in a little something extra for each winner. So a special thanks to our sponsor, RX Smart Gear, to Dave Newman for being such a great partner, and to you for being a loyal listener. Good luck, and I hope you are our next winner. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I wanted to talk to you about our new sponsor, Element 26. They are an innovative company producing lots of products around the CrossFit, Strongman, powerlifting space. They have weightlifting belts, they have knee sleeves, they have thumb tape. Um, They have these cool little straps that go around the bars when you're um, trying to attach a bar to the rig and maybe using it for low bar work, like pull-ups for little kids or some modifications for like um, bar muscle-ups when you're trying to teach someone to do them. And you know how you wrap those rubber bands around the rig and the J-hook to kind of keep everything straight? Well, they made straps for that. And their straps kind of like the straps you use for rings. Um, they have a really secure um, system on it and you can wrap around the bar and keep that nice and secure. I love their innovation. Their, um, their product development team is top-notch and they're just coming up with really um, different ideas for our space. So check them out at element26.co. That's element26.co. And tell them Kat's saying All right. Well, welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I'm your host. I'm the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness. And these are my friends. I have my co-host Charlie with me and Hello. our new friend, Colette Casey. And am I saying that right? Is it Colette? Uh, so you'll laugh. My husband has always called me Colette and it wasn't until my brother told him that's not how you say your name. I'm just used to people pronouncing it wrong. So it's Colette, but you can pronounce it however you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to be here. Um, uh, Colette is one of the coaches with underdogs athletics, and we want to get to know her a little bit better. So we're going to spend some time with her today. And I want to start with Um, I did some reading on you and it appears that you were quite, uh, the active athlete when you were younger. Oh yes. Oh yes. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm slowing down the older I get, but yeah. Um, I grew up, I have two brothers. We grew up kind of just being outside. I think more because my mom was, you know, tired of us in the house making so much noise. So we were always, uh, you know, in a tree riding our bikes, doing that kind of stuff. But, um, I think for me, you know, growing up, we moved around a lot as well. My dad worked on ships. So I feel like 
I was like, well, you either going to make friends or you're going to play sports and make friends. So it was kind of one of one or the other whenever we moved somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I grew up enjoying playing a lot of a lot of different sports, basketball, soccer, softball, um, running, all that kind of stuff. And then kind of landed on soccer the older I got. So your dad worked on ships. Um, mm-hmm. So not military, but just no, on- just like built like so anywhere that had water where he could dry dock, he would be working on ships. So, um, you know, just like we lived in, we lived in, um, New York, we lived in New Jersey, we lived in, um, St. Croix for a little bit. And then we found our way to Florida. So, and then when, when I was meeting with Justin, he goes, "Uh Oh, you're from Florida too. Cause he's from Florida. So we were like, yep. So we had that in common. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of which, when I met with Justin after rogue, you know, he was going on about, uh, the, the, and you went to the rival up north uh, in Tallahassee yeah. at Florida State. So what's cool is I actually lived in Tallahassee for four years. Oh, you did? So you know. I do. <laughs> know very, very well. And I actually was a Florida State fan when I got there. Yeah. And probably wasn't when I left. Gotcha. <laughs> if that makes sense, but I think it's like, you're there for four years and you're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I just, I always, they always played Notre Dame and I hate Notre Dame. So oh, yeah. I started rooting for them. And then I got there and everybody just wanted to pound Florida state into my head when I lived there and like leave my allegiance to Penn state. And yeah. so they just, oh, yeah. they, they drove it out of me, but I loved my time in Tallahassee. I had so much fun down there yeah. and you, a you accomplished great things there. Uh, three final fours with the soccer team at Florida state yep. and captain the team in your senior year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was definitely a very special time. And I look back on it and wish like, it's always like, you know, those things I think later on in life, you're like, Oh, I wish I spent more time doing this or doing that. But um, just kind of like the student athlete experience, I think that I got there and the relationships that I made with a lot of the players that I played with. Um, and then especially the second coach that I had there that is still there now, Mark Kerkorian, he was one of the like biggest influences in my life and um, somebody that was really a mentor to to me. Even now to this day, if I'm like, Mark, I need help. What should I do? You know, um, he will drop everything to kind of help me. So, um, and, and that's like, he's not like that with everybody, but I think we connected, um, you know, so yeah, the time that I had there was, was really, really special. Um, And I think like for me, I knew, like, I, I honestly wanted to get out of Florida. I was looking to go up North and to, to kind of have that experience there. But I think because I played so many sports growing up, um, no one really knew about me when it came to soccer. Cause I didn't do like Olympic development programs. I didn't do any of the earlier national team stuff because I was either playing softball or running track and stuff like that. So I, I kind of varied everything up. So I walked on at Florida state and then it wasn't until I think my second year when Mark became the head coach there that he put me on scholarship. So I was like, Whew, all right, my parents will be happy about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I had really special time there. So it was awesome. So when I found out that Justin, he didn't even have to tell me, I was like, Oh, you're a Miami fan. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah. He just has that, that aura about him. <laughs> just a little bit, not too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are some of your favorite places in Tallahassee and what years were you there? Oh my gosh. I don't even, I haven't been there in, I haven't been there in forever. I'm, I'm the worst alumni because you know how hard it is to get there. It's not a direct flight. No. So for me to fly there with a kid or two kids to bring them there, I have no desire to do that. Um, 
I went there. When did I graduate? I think it was like 2004 to 2007, four or five, six, seven. Yeah. So 2004 to 2007, everything there now is new. So everything that's there now, when I went back one time, I think like eight years after I graduated, maybe five years after I graduated, they had like a whole shopping center downtown and it became very fancy. And it was not that fancy when I was there, like over by the sweet shop and um, like all the, like where all the Greek life used to live, everything like that is now very fancy by the football stadium. Um, But yeah, I mean, we lived in the soccer the soccer complex. So I didn't see much of Tallahassee (laughs) besides my apartment and the soccer complex and occasionally, you know, getting into trouble maybe when I was younger, but that was about it. And then I didn't have time for it. The older I got there, then I realized that the upperclassmen that were doing that weren't doing much. So I kind of had to stay away. Yeah. I was there from 96 to 2000. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's when probably big daddies, big daddies and, uh, and what was the other place? What was the other AJ so, sports bar? Oh, AJ. Yeah. With the rooftop AJ's bar. Was the place we always went to because that was where we could walk to. So <laughs> yeah, for us, it was AJ's and then uh Bullwinkles. Oh yeah. You had to yeah. actually be 21 to get there. So <laughs> yeah, I, I was at the time. So, yeah. um, and then uh, poor, poor Paul's. Oh, okay. That's funny. All, all of my friends that were my guy friends would go there. Yeah. That's yeah, so just, funny. Just a place to play darts. Um, yeah. Super cheap. And yeah. uh yeah, but anyway, yeah, that and then um and then there was a restaurant there called Po Boys Creole Cafe. Yep. That my we wife and I <laughs> my wife still and I talk about it and it's closed. It, I know that's the one I think whatever year I went back, we drove by to go there to have, you know, a couple of drinks and some fried pickles. And oh, yeah. it was gone. And we were just like, How did we we lived off of fried pickles? Like that was your treat to yourself after you know your Sunday game, you're like, let's go get fried pickles and have a beer. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that dipping sauce was so good. Um, (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Yeah. We did that. And so, so you're there and you do all of that. And then immediately you go into coaching uh, when you leave college. Yeah. Uh, So I knew, I kind of knew that that was the path that I was going through, you know, when you're in college and you have to declare your major, I wasn't like, nothing was really sticking with me at that time. And I think that coaching is one of those things. It's not like, you can do sports administration, but that's usually anyone that did that was either like they just wanted, they were going to go play. It was mostly football boys. They would do professional sports after or try to get drafted. Um, or it was people that wanted to, you know, go work for like the ACC, uh, you know, and go that, that route. But there was nothing that was really geared towards coaching. Uh, you know, I graduated with, um, you know, with a degree in creative writing and writing in general. So that was just more something that I enjoyed to do. I thought, Hey, well, I could travel, I could write, and I can coach, you know? So, um, at that point I kind of just dove into, again, asking Mark, like, Hey, what can I do? Um, you know, how can I navigate this? And I, I had a short stint away from anything that was coaching. I moved to Lake Tahoe for about six months with some of my closest guy friends all wanted to go snowboarding. I had no desire to go snowboarding. I ended up working at boys and girls club out there and somehow teaching kids how to ski, even though I don't even know if I knew how to ski. Um, and and that was like the most time I've took away from coaching, I think. And in that time I was like, no, I really miss playing and coaching. So I went, I went, I got an opportunity to go play overseas for a little bit. I did a season in Finland playing. And then once I got back to the States, that's kind of when I dove into coaching college, uh, coaching soccer 
in any fashion that I could get into. Um, and it was really just saying yes to any opportunity that presented itself to me, whether it was, you know, you're like on the field for six hours at a time, just talking, not even knowing what you're saying at that point. Um, you know, but whether it was younger kids or, um, you know, older age groups, high school club, I kind of just dove into it with that. Um, and then I found myself out in California. And when I moved out to California, I had tried to connect with UC Irvine, which was the college that was in that Southern, Southern California area. Um, and I got an opportunity to be a volunteer assistant coach. And then a year or two later, a, a full-time position opened up. So while I was doing that, I was kind of, you know, doing what every coach does, like have a gazillion jobs just to do one thing that they love. And then you kick yourself like, why am I doing this? Like <laughs> I'm waking up at 4am working at 24 hour fitness and then coaching, you know, going to college, being there all day for free, and then going at night to go on the fields for another four hours to, to, you know, do it. But I think at that point, it's like, you have to love it. So, um, you know, and that's coaching in general, much like your craft, like you have to love CrossFit in order to do conversations with people, whether they're good or not, you know, right. um, or be a people person. So, so yeah, I got into coaching, uh, that way and kind of just stuck with it was working with some at that point, you know, Olympic development, regional team stuff, college stuff. I loved, like, I loved coaching college soccer. Um, and then at that point, I think like I had been coaching for about four years and I was really like, do I want to go head coach route? Do I not want to, I went back to school to get my master's degree in coaching and athletic administration, which was like, perfect. I'm like, why didn't they have this for my, my undergrad? Maybe they did. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but, um, but yeah, so I kind of just secured that route. And then I found CrossFit just for myself. Cause I was like, you know, I really miss, you know, competing myself. I was kind of done playing soccer at that point, just because, you know, I'd play with the girls when we'd have to do, you know, 11 B 11 scrimmages and stuff like that. Uh, but that was my extent of being competitive. And so I found CrossFit from a group on, kind of got into it that way and then became competitive with that. And then got an opportunity to manage and run a gym out in California. And I kind of just was like, you know what, I think it's a good shift for right now. Um, because at that time, even with the collegiate athletes, I was diving into more strength and conditioning stuff for them and helping them do that more from an in injury prevention standpoint. So, um, I made the shift and I loved it and, and really haven't looked back since. I mean, I do miss coaching college soccer, but I think with kind of how my, my life went after that shortly meeting my husband, having kids and, and doing that, it's really hard to, to do that full-time college deal. Um, so, yeah. So um, I want to back up just a little bit and unpack some of these things. Cool. So first, when, when you were doing like the club scene, right. Coaching club teams, you bounced around quite a bit, right. I, I read like Philly, Florida, Southern yeah. California. Yeah. Was that natural for you because that's how you grew up or was um, it just where the opportunities were? I think it was honestly the opportunities where that, where they went. Like I kind of saw what was in Philadelphia in that like North Jersey area and it was good, but I kind of branched out on my own and started training teams and clubs. And it was just, it was not my, like, that's not where I wanted to be. I think necessarily um, I enjoyed my time when I was there. And then, um, with a friend, I just moved out to California and that's when I kind of was just like, this is different, you know, um, never been to California before. And I ended up living there. I think the longest out of anywhere, even more so than Florida. Like I was in California for six years. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, I kind of just went where the opportunity went, um, with things and knew, I kind of knew when things needed to be, I guess, changed or shooken up a little bit. And, um, and it's kind of like you think about decisions and you're like, if it scares you, 
it's usually kind of like a good thing, you know, unless it scares, you know, like it's like that thin line of like, is this ridiculous or is this just enough to push me to seek more for myself? Um, so yeah. And you don't know until you get into a situation. If you're like, are these the people I want to be around? Did I find people that are, you know, high achievers that they, they want to go after, they're going to work hard. Um, I think that's the biggest thing within coaching is just surrounding yourself with people that are willing to work as hard as you are. Um, so I think it was really like any of the environment that I could find that was like that, that's, that's where I would stay or at least stay there for a while. So when you were doing the club scene, was it always your goal to do college coaching at some point, or did it just, was it something that popped up as an opportunity and then you learned to love it? Um, I, I would say like, I mean, you think about yourself throughout your journey and especially with soccer, it's, it's, it's more of like a hybrid. It doesn't need to be one or the other. It could always be both, you know, so you can always coach college soccer. Like I went out for an opportunity, you know, and I applied, but at the time they hired a goalkeeper coach. So that's kind of like always the dilemma with soccer. It's like, if you're a goalkeeper coach, you're like, yes. If you're a female goalkeeper coach, it's like, yes, even more, but I was neither, <laughs> no one wants me in goal. Um, you know, but, um, so at that time I was, I was behind somebody that just got hired and then she was there and became friends with her. I actually learned a lot from her. Um, even just being a volunteer, even though at the time I was like, I really wanted a paid position. Um, but kind of just waiting and, and going through that, you know, maybe an opportunity to more meet more people in the community, which actually you know, retrospect really helped with the recruiting aspect when I did get that position, because I knew, I knew the clubs, I knew the people I had good relationships with, uh, you know, a lot of the clubs in Southern California, or at least wasn't, you know, afraid to have conversations with, with the coaches and that kind of stuff. And I think as a younger coach, that's usually the, the holdup because you can be a good player that transfers right away into, um, college coaching. But if you can't hold a conversation, ask the important questions, uh, and that kind of stuff. I think that that, that, that really helped me. So to answer your question, both at the same time, okay. you know, and then UC Irvine, uh, went to the sweet 16 while you were a coach there. Yeah. And that was, that was a big their year. first time ever. Right. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was a big year. Um, and it was a really special team, you know, when you have a group of people together and you kind of just see the ups and downs of a season and you kind of know when things are clicking, as a coach and you're like, okay, this could be, you don't want to get too excited because it's like, you're showing your cards early, but you want to just be like, all right, it's good. Yep. That was good. But you don't want to pay too much attention to it. Um, but yeah, it was a really special group of girls, many of which that I still communicate with to till today. Um, and they recently just went back. I think it was this year to the elite eight. I can't remember. I'm the worst. I want my life is cocoa melon and, and that's about it right now. So, um, but yeah, they recently went back this year and it was, it sounds like it was another special season and special group of kids. So, yeah. So when you were at Florida state, you went to three final fours and there that's expected. It and wasn't at the time. It wasn't at the time though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. At the time it was like, I think they were, you know, on the cusp of like, like, always getting in, but we don't, they, I think they would always play like UF the first, like before I got there, they'd always like play UF the first round of the tournament or something like that. So, um, but yeah, no, and you're right at, at UC Irvine, it was more of a mid-major. So it's really tough because you're competing with the UCLA's, the San Diego, the USD's, um, you know, and Berkeley and all that kind of stuff in the area just to get out and play against other teams in other parts of the country. So yeah, that was a definite shift. Um, I would say just from how programs are run from one to the other. 
Yeah. And that UF thing is even worse than the Miami thing in Tallahassee. Um, yeah. And so what I wanted to get from you is what was the difference in your perspective, right? Because even though it may not have been expected when you got to Florida State, by the third time, it had to be expected, right? And then you take this underdog team in Irvine, who it's not expected, and you make it to the Sweet 16. What was the difference uh, in the mindset during that that time? It's funny because, you know, the the traits and the habits and the mindset of successful teams don't really vary, you know, it's, but it's the shift, the shifting of certain things. So like, even if at Florida state, it might've been expected if we paid attention to that expectation versus pay attention to doing the work and doing the little things, right. That's that, that was when things go wrong. Like you have to focus on daily efforts versus like expectation or like, your name or like the stigma associated with you, because it's like, if you didn't, if the same thing, like, you know, what Mark would say to us at Florida state, it's like, if you guys don't want to come and fit, that's you. When we start our season, you're going to be out of shape and other people that you guys are playing aren't, but the way he kind of made the environment was like, it was a professional team, even when it wasn't a professional team. And so like when, when we were at UC Irvine, the coach that, that was there, Scott, and still there, Scott Juniper, again, another mentor of mine, you know, he had a very high standard. He had a really working, um, he had like a blue collar working mentality. And that really aligned with me, which is why I spent so much time there because I got what he was doing. And not many coaches, I think in soccer, like they miss, like they miss, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk, they miss something along that line. Um, and like with him, he held the girls accountable as a team. We held each other accountable in that aspect when somebody wasn't doing their job. Um, and just from a standpoint of doing extra fitness, if you're not fit and just caring more, I think like that was, that was, those are similar traits, even though the name, and there was a little bit more chip on the shoulder, you know, at UC Irvine, because it's like, you can't, you're like, you're so tired of UCLA all the time. You're so tired of all these Berkeley. So when you go to play, you know, like when we went to go to Berkeley to play and Alex Morgan was on the team, I've never seen like a bunch of girls work so hard to shut somebody down just for a tie, you know? And it's like, this is where people don't like soccer. Cause they're like, no one scored. It's 90 minutes. I'm like, you don't understand just what went into that. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, that was again, similar traits and, and characteristics and habits, but definitely like those are the little things that doesn't matter if you're a Florida state or UC Irvine that you have to have present in order to be successful. So I'm glad you answered that way because that's what I wanted to transition to with now you move into CrossFit coaching and you're not coaching elite athletes at the college level. You're teaching moms and military members and stuff at the gym. So then how does the mindset shift now that you're a coach at a CrossFit gym? Um, you know what? I think that that's like, you know, in the geeky way of why I like to coach, it's because it's, you're in the, you're in the world of people. You're in the world of reading people, seeing where people are at, seeing where you think they can go that they don't even think that they can go. And so it doesn't really matter if the environment is a competitive team or if the environment is a class of 10 or a class of five and it's a fireman, it's a mom, you know, it's, it's a young student that's just, you know, graduating college like myself, like whatever, trying to get into CrossFit, someone that's out of shape, trying, trying to drop, you know, 20 pounds. It doesn't really matter because what you're doing is trying to read them, understand them and teach them basic things that they need in life. Um, You know, and I think that, I think that if, if coaching was about me, 
it would have been a harder transition, but because coaching has always been about the players or the person, it's a very, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, at that point, it's finding people where they're at and trying to set the vision and the tone and then show them those habits and bring them with you so that they can, they can hit their goals, you know? And you, you ended up managing that gym pretty soon after switching over to CrossFit and leaving the soccer world. What, what, how, what was that transition like for you? That was a learning curve. That was called fake it till you make it. (laughs) And, and I was okay with that um, because I really did live at the gym. And, you know, at the time I didn't have a family, I wasn't dating anybody. um, So I was dating the gym. Um, So I would be there, you know, we had about 200 and I want to say like 50 members at the time. And in Southern California, that's really good because there's gyms everywhere. You know, that's when CrossFit was like pumping and just gyms like, down the street. So, um, you know, it was a really special community. You know, the reason why I said yes was because that was a community that I found that kind of helped me during a tough time transitioning into, um, you know, in a place where I really didn't have family or friends, like to have family and friends that were your community. Um, so I saw how impactful that was just only in my own journey from, you know, mental health and just like, Hey, having an adult conversation with somebody that helps you out or like, Hey, you have a flat tire. Oh, so, so and so's right there. They can help you out instead of feeling like you're stranded on your own in a place that you don't know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, definitely a learning curve, but a lot of the tools at the end of the day, it was always about the people. So a lot of the tools, if you can lead with that, I'm, I may mess up on some other things and have to learn and shake that out or not have all the answers in regards to how to set up Wattify or whatever, like my biggest issues were when I first transferred over. But if you're putting the people first, making sure that you're showing up and that you're coaching and the coaching of the gym um, could speak alone on that, then I think like for me, at least that was what my goal was. Um, and always finding fun ways to have the community come together because at the end of the day, that's what people love. You know, yeah, they want to come in there and they want to get their first muscle up, but they also want to have an adult conversation with someone else or kind of, you know, just, just resonate with someone else, maybe if they're at a tough point in their life. So, you know, that was, that was the number one goal of that community. Um, and then, yeah, so that was, that was fake it till you make it for sure. I wasn't acting like I was the boss at anything, but everyone knew kind of secretly I was the boss. So. (laughs) All right. So, um, so how long were you at that gym? Um, I was there about two, two and a half years, I think. And then um, shortly in that time, I met my now husband and he was on the journey of being a fireman and he was a little bit later on in life. And so like in Southern California, if you're 30 and that's like considered old to get into the fire service there, especially super competitive. So he originally is from Massachusetts. So he had, um, he had applied And kind of, we just talked about like, all right, well, you know, if I can get in there in New Hampshire, Massachusetts area, will you move there? And I was like, I don't even know what's over. I don't even know where New Hampshire is on the map. So I was like, sure, sure, sure. You know, thinking like, I don't know what's going to happen. Kind of like my life, gym, manage the gym, go surf a little bit when I was done off work and then be done. But, um, but yeah, so he ended up getting the job. And so at that point I left that gym and then we were soon expecting our first child. So I kind of kept my world of coaching to just coaching other people's gyms for them. And I kind of took the back seat, which was uh, in hindsight, a really good teacher of just everything I would say, like for myself, not maybe stepping on people's toes and taking over their class, but being a participant in their class kind of just showed me, you know, maybe where gyms were not doing so well or what could be done better. And 
if I was coaching there, kind of bringing that to the table. Um, so yeah, it gave me a little bit of a backseat to um, just go through the, the mom journey that I was on at that point starting. And, um, but I, you know, I kept coaching through all three kids and stuff like that. So yeah, I kept my, I kept myself busy. <laughs> so I want to talk about the mom journey. Um, Cause you do a lot of stuff with three kids um, and two boys, a girl. Yeah. Um, how much did coaching prepare you for parenthood? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's all about, no, um, the, definitely with my first child, like he, I mean, I would just say you think about like your mentally tough days, like, okay, I'm going like, let me just flash back to Florida state. And you're like, Oh my God, my backpack is so heavy. I have to walk all the way from the soccer, just finish soccer practice and walk away from the soccer all the way to, you know, Bellamy or something on the other side of campus. And it's sweating. And I just finished practice. And now my t-shirt that was clean is now dripping in sweat and like humidity from Florida. And then you get there and you're late and then you have to run back somewhere or whatever. So thinking about that day, right. And then you're thinking, well, okay, getting three kids in a car <laughs> with all the crap and all this stuff. And then adding in New Hampshire, it's probably going to snow on you or something's going to happen. So you better move quick because one of your babies is going to freeze. Like, I think that that's, it's more like the, the life of a student athlete has prepared me more for being a mom than uh, as well as coaching, you know, but I definitely would say that you're, you're, again, it's a fake it till you make it job parenting. It's the same as getting hired at, at a gym before I was ready to, but I knew that I had the, the skill set for people. I hope my babies like me at that point. So that's maybe what I was putting out there. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're speaking my language now because I have three under seven. So oh, yeah, I'm, there you I'm go. Glad you're familiar with, can we just get in the car? What are we doing here? <laughs> well, I'm in Florida right now for the next, like I've been here for a couple of weeks, just like working remotely, the, the perks, right? And then I'm coaching yeah. at my friend's gym to give her a break. And I'm like, shoes, no shoes, no problem. Just get in the car, let's go. <laughs> buckle, don't you know how to put your own buckle on by now? Bodie, get, get Maverick's buckle on. <laughs> I'm, just yeah. like, I'm just laughing because in New Hampshire, you can't do that. They're freezing. And I'm like, right. oh God, the boots, the jacket, just so you get in the car, take the jacket back off, or they want to keep the jacket on and you have to figure out how to buckle it. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so I don't well, know, but yes. Well, as we record this, Charlie and I are in Columbus, Ohio, oh, and yeah, it is like go. 17 degrees. Of course. Yeah. You know, My and I, I, I think the windows open behind you, which is very, very. The sun is coming in. Listen, yeah. I'm soaking in all two weeks. I'm going to get a nice tan just by being outside, not even laying at the beach, just with outside of my kids. And I'm going to enjoy working out and actually sweating. And then I'm going to mm -hmm. go back and I'm going to freeze till about May. And then the sun will come back out in June and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. are you, are you going, so you're going to Wadapalooza? Yeah. So I'll be there. I'm competing actually at Wadapalooza. This will be the first time I'm competing, not pregnant, which is great. Cause I did it when I was pregnant with my first child before I realized I was pregnant. So I was about like six weeks pregnant. And then my, I did it with my daughter. I knew I was pregnant, but I already paid and I already bought my plane ticket and I was 10 weeks pregnant. And I was like, please God, let's just go with this. Cause at the time I, you know, you coach, you know, your body so well and you, you work out on a daily basis. So at that point I felt really good, no issues whatsoever. Um, I had a little bit of a scare, I think at the end of the first day of the competition. And then I, I just dropped out at that point because it wasn't worth it. So spending a little time in Miami hospital was all I needed just to, to get out of there, but that was fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this would be the first year that uh, I'm doing it not pregnant. So I'm excited. So 
I'm assuming you worked out through all of your pregnancies. I did. Um, I would definitely say like the second and third, you know, or at least my, like my last one, because at the, at the same time, like I was opening up a gym with a friend. So I was helping them facilitate a whole new facility for fitness, tennis, CrossFit, group X, everything like that. So I was exhausted. So sometimes that, I mean, most of the times that took, I kind of took a bigger break, I would say with my last child, um, because I was, our last, we weren't expecting our last child. And, um, but he's by far the best, of course, we'll say that now (laughs) he's a maniac, but he's the best. Um, so like, you know, at that point I, I was ready to try to compete again. And then I was like, Ooh, okay, here we go. Cause it was three, three kids in five years. So now that it's like, finally, I think on the other side of it, I was like, all right, we can, we can do this, you know, but yeah. Do you, did you notice a difference with the deliveries when you did work out and when you had to take a longer break? All of my, all of my kids liked to just stay in my stomach. Cause I never had any of my children naturally. I always had to be induced because it was like 10, 15 days later. And I'm like, all right, anytime you want to come out, like, this is great. But my daughter, especially it was super hot end of August. And I'm like, anyone, anyone. And like, you try everything. It doesn't matter. So, you know, patience, you want to patience. So when you have that client that you coach that is driving you insane because they're not listening during class or something, that's what, that's what coaching has taught me for parenting, or maybe it's parenting that has taught me for coaching a greater level of patience. Um, because yeah, waiting to have a child like 15 days afterwards is like, it's, it's awesome, but it's terrible at the same time. Charlie, did you have something? Oh, I was just going to say, you're just going to miss that pregnancy strength now that, <laughs> that, uh, cause my wife would always say she was so much stronger when she was pregnant. And I don't it's, know it's funny because I think it was right before, well, I didn't know I was pregnant with our last child and I hit like a PR for a power clean easy. And I was like, Oh, that was weird. And it was like a week later I found out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm nine weeks pregnant. You're like, Oh, great. That's good. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm not letting anybody take that PR for me. Right. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. I wasn't pregnant then. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> yeah. You get that extra, that extra jolt of testosterone. And it's like, I had a battle with one of my, my, my personal training clients at the, at this gym, actually, when I was in Florida coaching and he's someone that would get, you know, I need my testosterone shots on a biweekly basis. Cause you know, whatever his reasoning was, he had low testosterone. And I was like, I bet you your testosterone is still higher than mine. He goes, I don't know. I'm like, I bet you it is. And he's like, I, we laughed cause I ended up getting blood work done recently. And I go, I have low testosterone just so you know, so you're still winning. So I don't want to hear any excuses. <laughs> he would always give me crap. He's like, you get me on my low T days and you make me do these things. And I'm like, listen, I bet you you'll be okay. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. listen to me. <laughs> but yeah, I know the pregnancy strength is real. I'm not, I'm going to admit it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so at Wadapalooza, what division are you competing in? Um, I'm doing masters because I'm, I'm now a masters. I qualified for RX and masters, but I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I'm older. I'm 36. So we're going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm much older than that. So you're good to go. Um, yeah. But I'm actually, I'm going to be in Wadapalooza uh, oh, next nice. week. Good. So you get some sunshine. Um, yeah. I cannot wait. After the snow came last night and the cold this morning, I, I cannot know. wait to land in Miami next week. Because it's like, instead of that gust of like freezing wind that goes right under your jacket, now you just get like the gust of humidity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Good. And Good so I, 
I want to talk to you about how you found underdogs or how underdogs found you. Cool. Um, yeah, for sure. I am. Um, so this last year we had moved down we moved away from New Hampshire and moved down to Florida for a little bit. Um, my husband had a midlife crisis and if he tries to deny that I would not, but it's okay. Um, so we moved down here. My family's still here. I wasn't mad about it. I was ready, I think for just a change or a refocus. Um, and so I was down here kind of like, all right, what Avenue do I want to go and take? And how do I want to navigate coaching down here? Um, just because there's a lot of gyms and I think finding somebody that's again, trustworthy that you want to be around, that's going to make you a better person. That's going to, um, at least put you in an environment where you can learn things. You can, you know what I'm trying to say? So, um, one of the girls that I, um, that played at Florida state right after me. So she was a freshman when I was a senior, we met and we played at the same club team down here in Florida. Um, she owns two different gyms down in South Florida. And I just reached out to her. I was like, listen, what do you need? Like, do you need some help? Um, because I was like, if I can help you in any way, I'd like to, um, and then just kind of, you know, anyways, got into helping her. And at the same time, I kind of got remotivated to, go back into my own fitness journey of like acknowledging the fact that I'm a competitive person in this aspect and that I enjoy it because I think it helps me not only with accomplishing my goals, but helping other people's accomplish their goals when I hold myself accountable with certain things. Um, so I got, I wasn't really training, I would say hardcore and then did the open um, qualified for quarterfinals and like was very close to making it to the games in my age group without really training or trying. So at the time I was like, man, I think for the first time in my life, I'm just going to get, I want to be coached or at least have someone else do programming for me just so I don't have to think about it. And I had seen an interview with Justin. I think it was like, I can't remember if it was right before West coast or right after. Cause again, I watch Coco melon. I don't watch CrossFit games. I watch Coco melon. So, um, and it was just his, how he was speaking about his athletes and just what his vision was. I was like, all right. Didn't know he was a UM fan at the time, but I was like, all right, you know, um, let's, I'm going to reach out about programming. And so I started doing programming from him, which just helped my life because when you coach all the time, it's like, you're doing it for everybody else. But like, when you go to do it for yourself, the person that you're supposed to know the best, it takes forever because you're like, whatever. So it's just nice from that aspect with kids and just coaching so much to have somebody doing it for you. Um, and then, you know, I was doing it. And then my friend that, um, my friend that just moved to Vegas again, to be part of the underdogs. She was like, you know, they're hiring, like you should reach out to them. And then I was like, okay, cool. You know, I reached out to Justin. We had a good first interview and just kind of chat and stuff like that. And then, um, I got brought on. So I was, was, I was super excited because I knew that like my goals with coaching aligned with his philosophy. And I think when you can find that and know that it's, you know, his biggest thing that he always says is like, I never want to get so big where I don't know the people that are doing my programming. And then I don't know my coaches. Like, you know, that, that really resonates with me because I think that it's, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to understand that CrossFit is so much bigger than just that, like that pinnacle of like your games, like what are you, what legacy are you leaving? Like, who are you influencing? Who are you impacting at every level? Not just like your competitive athletes, but like your coaches. And then the people that, you know, are, are helping to fund your business, right? This is your business. And, you know, but you're, you know, you're, you're doing so much for them as far as the programming goes, but like just 
taking that time and taking that second to have that conversation. So yeah, I really enjoyed meeting him um, and, and just talking with him and it felt very, you know, informal and just a lot of the stuff that, that he said really aligned with my core values. So, so yeah, it was really good. Both of them are awesome. Justin, Justin and Nash. So, yeah. And, and as we talked before, we went on the air, you haven't even met Ashley in person yet. No, we haven't met. So I, I think I'll see them both at uh Wadapalooza, or I'll see Justin at Wadapalooza. I don't know if Ashley can escape, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, there's two paths I want to go. I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this. So first of all, what is your role with underdogs? You're just, um, are you a coach? coach. Yeah. So I'm one of the remote coaches and, uh, you know, I help with masters, the programming, just making, um, adjustments with some of that to make it more functional for masters athletes at every category. So, yeah. So I have uh, about, you know, six or seven clients right now. Um, and then just helping out with, with administrative stuff. Are you talking about the master's track that you just came out with? Yeah. So, um, so I help, uh, Kiefer's also part of it with the programming. So I help Kiefer do, do some of the tweaks with that and adjust it. And then, um, and then, and then I do the remote coaching with the athletes, with competitive athletes. Yeah. My man, Charlie is very interested in master's track. Um, you know, as we're getting into those elevated ages, um, our bodies can't do the RX (laughs) of the the track. Well, it's, it's kind of like, I was laughing cause I was trying, like, you know, Kiefer's a little bit younger than me. So I was like, you know, Kiefer, like front squat, back squat too much in one week for my hips sometimes. <laughs> like, can we, can we do one? Can we just like maybe get some back squats out there? Cause I care about my clean. So maybe just keep the front squats. So I'm like, don't worry, you'll get it one day. You'll get it. Or, I go, or maybe it's the three kids. I don't know, but I know that other people have to feel that way too, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, I think sometimes as a competitive athlete, like, especially as you get a little bit older, you look out there and there's other, you know, other people's programmings where it's like, oh man, you got to do this, this, then you have a second session. And I'm like, I need, I need 90 minutes, two hours max. What do you have for me? That's gonna, what do I need to do? Cause you can look at it and be like, well, I have this, I have this. And then you feel overwhelmed and then you feel like you're failing before you even start. And it's like, that should never be the purpose of, yeah even if you want to compete just so you can do a local competition, like it should never make you feel that you're not good enough before you even start, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I know that feeling on the opposite side of things. So it's like, all right, trying to create a simplified track for people. I think, you know, Kiefer does a good job of it. Justin does a good job of it for our masters. Um, and just for the, the competitive athlete, just the competitive track that's in there too. I think we found your problem, Charlie. You've just been overwhelmed. Just just overwhelmed. Been- You've been overwhelmed. And so you just, you, you exercise in competitions. That's it. It's too much overwhelmed from the start. It's like, oh, if I don't have time for both those sessions, I'm just not going to do either session. (laughs) Just show up at the comp cold. (laughs) Right. That's how I feel about mobility. Oh man. I got to do the left and the right side. Well, (laughs) if only my right side's bothering me, is it bad if I just do my right side? Do I have (laughs) to do both? So yeah. the, the last thing I want to talk about is in, in researching you, um, faith seems to be a very important part in your life. Um, and at one time, and maybe still, you were a faith RX coach. Yeah, back up in uh, when I was in New Hampshire the first time around. Yeah. And so you have gone, your journey through life has gone many different directions and paths and ways. And how has faith helped you through those moments? And do you feel that like God has led you down this path? Um, I definitely like when you think about, you know, or at least for me, 
you know, knowing my identity and knowing my identity with God involved in it is a huge thing. So it's like, I understand how simple my life has become once I've realized that because there's lots of things in the world that are distractions and there's lots of things that people chase down that are distractions um, or things that the world is telling you that aren't from God. And like, for me, it's like always checking myself, like, is this my own desire or is this like what God has called me to be? Um, And I know for me, like my number one thing is that I, I love people and I love communicating making people feel seen, heard, and appreciated. And I think in the sport that we're in with CrossFit, there's so many distractions. Um, And I think that there's a purity in the fact of, you know, coaching people of all types, not just the ones that are going to be the next Brooke Wells or whoever, you know, it's, it's so much more than that. Um, And I do believe that common people can do you know, extraordinary things. And I think that that's like the room, I think with, you know, with underdogs, that's a huge reminder, you know, because, um, you know, you just see like, you know, what Justin is able to create with certain things. And, and so for me, like, again, finding somebody that aligns with, with your values and kind of the vision it's for me, you know, who I am as a coach, I feel like really fits with, with them, but in regards to faith and just kind of like my role with faith RX, like there's so many similarities between what we do within CrossFit and just physical sport in general. Um, and you know, and the world of God and just like having a relationship with him, um, and stuff like that. So yeah, I would, it's for me, it's kind of like I coach, I like coaching is synonymous with my faith. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both at the same time. So it's not like I'm coaching you to um, change your faith to something else, but I'm coaching you because God has placed in my heart who it is that I am, what it is that I'm supposed to to be, and that he's supposed to be able to shine through me by how I speak to you, by how I make someone feel, and just by the genuine goodness. So I think especially at a time like the world we live in now, uh, revisiting some of the most basic things in, in, you know, in, in life are very key and just being a good person is one of those things. Um, because there are a lot of distractions that I think whether or not people realize it, make them a little bit more angry, a little bit more on edge, a little bit more anxious. Um, and you know, you never know what people are going through. So finding ways to simplify it and just bring goodness back to it is, is what I'm about as a coach and, um, you know, and just as a person. So yeah, I, you know, I, I've coached CrossFit before I've coached other sports and I think it gives you the tools to be able to, to, um, share in the good news of what God has done. And it's and it, and looking back, like God put that in place, right? He, he gave me the job as a coach to be able to do that. And then he gave me this vehicle to, to be able yeah. to share the good news when, when it's appropriate. And, um, and so I love to talk to them. Um, and so thank you for sharing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, well, I want to say, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, I'd love to tour Tallahassee with you sometime, um, and see <laughs> what all podcast. has changed. <laughs> we can do, we can do a, you know, a, what is like, we'll camera on our head, looking at each other while we walk around going, Oh, that that's not there anymore. Yeah. Where's poor Paul's <laughs> where's the yeah. palace. So, um, so it's been a, a joy doing this and thank you for jumping on with us and good luck next week at Wadapalooza. And I'll try to get down and root you on. 
a little cool. bit. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe. You'll stay warm. You stay warm. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.